Hi, I'm Dorothy O'Dell, and I'm from Windsor, Ontario, and I'm an author and a bookkeeper and a veteran advocate. Um, and so I'm just really excited to be here with Pearl today. Hey, everybody, it's Pearl Serenza, and we are back for another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And I am with Women's Successful Living, where I empower women to put themselves first with the power of the word no to others and yes to themselves. And today we are so excited to have a conversation around that, as well as things around self-care and, and all kinds of conversations that might come up as between two women. And today is no different. Today we have our special guest. Her name is Dorothy Graham O'Dell, and she is a child of God, a wife, that mom, and loving daughter. Dorothy is a bookkeeper by trade with over 20 24 years of experience. She just wrote her first book called The Overcomer Facing Challenges with Faith and Courage, which hit the top 100 international bestsellers on Amazon on its first day of release. She shares her obstacles of overcoming being bullied in school for her weight, low self-worth issues, growing up with sick parents, the trauma of her uncle's suicide, and leaving emotional abusive relationships. Never give up because in the end, there is true happiness. She hopes that this book will help others overcome their obstacles and know they are not alone in their struggles. Dorothy also does speaking engagements on these topics as well. She has also started her live show called Unstoppable Overcomers, which showcases other people who have overcome their obstacles and helped others along the way. She has met some incredible people and built lifelong friendships. Dorothy started the show to give a platform to others so that people would know they are never alone in their circumstances. She is taking her veteran series and pitching it to networks so that they can get eyes on the huge issue of veteran suicide, which is so, so important. We are losing veterans 40. We are losing 44 veterans a day, and it's her mission to eradicate that number. Let's help her do that, you guys. Dorothy, along with her husband, Joe, and stepson, resides in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Her mission is to eradicate homelessness and bring awareness of more topics that people think are taboo, because taboo will not do. Welcome to the show, Dorothy. Oh, thank you so much. That was wow. a long key. I'm going to have to <laughs> cut that bio down. <laughs> hey, it's all important stuff, especially what you're doing around the veterans, and I want to talk about that some today as well, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a daughter of a Marine Corps brat. I've got a brother and two nephews that also served in the in the uh, Marines. So it's really, really important topic to me as well. And I'm glad we'll have a, a time to talk about that today. But tell us, Dorothy, a little bit about you. Tell us your background. And, you know, you shared about the traumas growing up and and, uh, and the health and, and then the bullying. And, you know, so and I know like back in our day, we didn't be, bullying wasn't talked a lot in school. And mm-hmm. now now it's sort of talked a lot, but I still think we have a long way to go with it. So tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up and how what led you to do what you do today sure yeah and you're right bullying was never talked about as a matter of fact my parents didn't even know what was going on with me um i don't know because dude maybe it was because they were never well um that i just didn't want to add to what they were going through and so i kind of shielded my parents from a lot of stuff that was going on and i know i'm not your typical that's not typical for children um or maybe it is i don't know that's just for me and so um, yeah growing up like that it was it was hard right like um when when you have people constantly telling you that you know you're worthless and things like that it does a lot to your self-esteem and so uh since i had low self-esteem the first guy that came along and said i loved you i believed him right because why why would why would someone lie right and so that turned into four years of hell um and so finally got out of that relationship it was very mentally and verbally abusive and um i I don't, I can remember telling our friends, um, I, I loved his parents. I loved his siblings. Uh, I loved the fact that that was, this was the first time that I actually had like couple friends. So I, that was all positive for me 
need to stay. Uh, and of course, you know, they kind of make you feel like it's your fault. So I thought, okay, well, maybe if I didn't do this or didn't said this, then whatever. And so finally, after four years, I had enough. I left that uh, relationship, took a 10-year healing journey. Um, and, you know, growing up with parents that were ill, it was, you know, I always did a, a lot around the house uh, for my parents. So I always was taking care of everybody. And that's what I did. That was my, I never had self-care. I didn't even know what it was back then. Uh, and so, you know, here, here I am in my twenties. Um, my uncle took his life Christmas day, uh, when I was in my early twenties. So that added to, to everything, but you know, it just kept going on. Didn't think that my life wasn't normal. I just thought this is what happened. Right. Um, so like I said, took a 10 year healing journey after I left the abusive relationship and just tried to find myself, you know, and instead of people pleasing, well, you know, what would make me happy? I had no idea. My dad even went so far as to say, why don't you take bookkeeping? Because everybody needs a bookkeeper. And I thought, okay, well, he's right. But here I am 27 years later. And I'm thinking, man, there's got to be more to life than this, because I'm telling you, uh, right. And so I thought that's great and everything, but there has to be more to life than that. And of course, you know, I still wanted to be married, but I wanted it to be the to the right person. So after I tried to fix myself, um, you know, went on several dating sites, which were, that was a whole other, like you could do a show just on that. Um, finally found an amazing guy and uh, it's funny. And I was on this, the app was Zeus and I didn't know how to use it. And so his profile come up, all great thing, but he, it didn't say, it said he was separated, not divorced. And I thought, well, that's not what I want. You know, I want somebody who's like available, gone past their baggage, right? And, and turns out I, I hit the wrong button, which opened up, which opened up his profile. So he sent me a message right away. I'm like, oh man. I said, well, worst case scenario, you can never have too many friends, right? So he he's messaging me and he's, hey, why don't I just, can I get your phone number? I really don't want to be on this all, all the time. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. He didn't look like an act murderer. So I, I, I'm the pig. I take risks. I take huge risks. And so it was a good thing I took the risk because I ended up meeting him in person. Uh, I fell madly in love as soon as I met him, which is kind of cliche. And I always ask my parents, how do you know it's the right one? And they said, you just know. And I thought that was such bullshit. I'm like, you're just stringing me along, mom. Whatever. So, but I refused to tell him that I had those feelings. And so I made him say he loved me first. Um, it was like a whirlwind courtship. Uh, after two months, we ended up moving in together. And the rest is history. Here we are, six and a half years later be married four years in october and uh so yeah okay so i'm laughing we have a lot in common and yes you just know um so i'm, I'm gonna share a little bit of my story but i um so i want i'm gonna touch on your how you met your husband in a minute but i just want to kind of go back on some of the things you shared because i was making notes as i always do that while we're talking and you know not sharing what family you know about the bullying i think there's like i feel like we still have that challenge because i think kids are afraid to talk up because they're afraid i know yeah. when my kids were younger my my oldest is forever 25 and my youngest is 23. And I know like when that would happen, I would show up. I'd be like, I'm there. I'm, you know, I'm mama bear. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's work it out. You know, why are we doing this? Um, we even yeah. did a situation where at school, um, we there was a, a situation at my son's high school and we as a parents got together and my son was so mad at my husband and I for that for the rest of his life. And, but, you know, I feel like we don't talk about that enough. I feel like the kids are still scared because A, maybe how their parents going to react, maybe they'll overreact they're afraid of, or B, yeah. that, you know, the person that's been through the bullier 
is doing that threatening, you know, that we know that happens also in um, abuse situations and and things like that. So I I feel like that probably part of why maybe, you know, we still don't hear that talking. And, and, you know, I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more. Um, But, and we're going to circle back to the bullying piece, but also the caregiver, like that uh, you went on that self-care journey that to find yourself. And that's so, so important. And and that's what we talk about here on the show a lot. And at our retreats, in fact, I wrote down, um, you said you want, there's got to be more to life, right? And that, you know, the bookkeeper, and you're like, there's got to be more to life than doing people's books, right? And that's mm-hmm. still what our retreat w- was just about. We just had our seventh annual WSL PJ retreat where we're in our pajamas for four days, no makeup, let our girls hang loose and just get to know the women who came to learn to dream relentlessly, to learn to, yeah, this is my dream, but how can I do more than just bookkeeping for 24 years? Like what you're saying, right? And I love mm-hmm. it said, I'm going to go step into what I want to do. And, and we're going to talk more about those things that you're doing as well. Um, and then, you know, because and the people pleaser, I, I'm a people pleaser addict. I'm a recovering addict of people pleaser, I like to say, and learning mm-hmm. to say no, you know, we forget that no is a sentence. It, it truly is a sentence. And we don't have to feel guilty over that. Right. And and so um, we're going to uh, you've hit some really great topics we're going to talk about, but I'm going to circle back around those topics. But I want to tell you, my husband and I met at a company picnic. Um, I had at Northbury Farm in California. I was um, I was 19 years old, and back then, uh, you know, at 21 was a drinking age in California. So my girlfriends and I, we would go out to this uh, club. Uh, you'd, you'd have dinner, and then the club open up. And if you got drinks at dinner, they didn't they didn't ID you in the club. So we'd go for dinner so I could get drinks because I was the only one not legal. And we had tickets to this company picnic. We're like, oh, we'll fight a couple of guys. We'll meet a couple of guys and fight them to go with us. You know, met nobody. Gave our t- tickets. My roommate and I gave her tickets to a friend so she could bring her family. Ran into my husband and his roommate. They were with two other girls who we assumed they were all together. The end of the night comes. We're the only four left in the parking lot. The entire parking lot's empty. We're having conversation and all of a sudden my husband's car is about to be towed away. He's like, I gotta go. See you later. I'm like, okay, nice to meet you. Adios. You know? So we go to my car and my girlfriend's like, you're gonna marry him. I'm like, what the heck? I just met him and he doesn't even have my phone number. And she's like, oh no, no, they have our number. I'm like, okay. And literally I had an old boyfriend from Florida that was coming to visit me. He came to visit me. I made him leave early. We went on a couple of dates, my husband and I. We met in August. By October, we moved in together, Dorothy. And by December, I asked him to marry me. It took us three years to get married because there were some family issues with my parents divorcing. But it, it does. I truly believe like when you ask your mom that question, does it really happen that way? And I truly believe it was. And I, I wrote down divine intervention for you because when you said that, you know, you, you clicked on the totally by accident that opened up and you met, it was meant to be that way. So I just, and so those that are listening, I'm telling you, Dorothy's story and my story, they do happen. And I know you're sitting there going, those two are so full of baloney. It's such cliche, but I'm telling you, that's all part of being a shiro is you find that, that, that those, those moments. And I just love that. So I just think it's so, so cool. So let's circle back. Um, let's circle back around to, you brought up some great topics I want us to touch on. And that is that like for those, if you could think about the parent, that the, the mom or dad that might be listening to us right now that are concerned about their child, you know, being bullying, have, what what would you say would be some good opening questions to have? If you look back on how you did, if you would have said, I wish somebody would have this, what could you say mm-hmm. to those parents who are listening? 
That's a good question. Because I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm never, I'm not your typical child. Uh, I, I truly am not. Um, And so like my parents would f- see that I might a different mood, right? So when, when you see that your child is moody or not themselves, ask the question, Hey, are you all right? Is any, is anything wrong type thing? Just it. Well, in my case, don't harp on it because if you harp on it, I'm going to close down even more and just um, look at the pattern. I, I would say, right. And just, um, just look in and see what the patterns are that, that they developed. Um, and I, I guess just reaching out, just letting them know that you're there for them if they if they want to open up. Um, and I, you know, I'm just thinking back of, of that, how, how I was back then. And no matter what my parents would have asked me, I, I would just shut down. So I'm not your typical person to ask. Yeah, no, and those, those are really good things, like the moods, you know, not acting themselves, don't, you know, don't harp on it in the patterns. One of the things that I want to share too, if you are listening, this is something you can start doesn't matter how old your kids are even if they're like eight over over than 18 it's never too late to start this i had somebody that um i worked with and i would we lived in the same neighborhood so every so often i would pass by him and it was just about every uh, once a week i would notice oh he's at breakfast with one of his kids and so i asked him one day at work i said hey i always see you having breakfast on a weekday like they're going to go to school right and i said with what you know with one of your boys and he said pearl he said from the minute they were born i knew that i wanted to have a time at the table with them and so he said that he would tell his wife, I'm going to take, you know, whatever his son's name, I can't remember now, so-and-so out for lunch or breakfast. And even though they were just babies, you know, he would have, you know, eat by himself, feed a bottle. You know, he just created that that moment for them. And he carried it on even through, he said, you know, I know he's doing it when they were coming home from college. And he said, what he did is he created a table. So if you're listening as parents, he created a space that said, this is our space. This is your space, your safe space. You could tell me anything you need to tell me. There's no judgment. There's no punishment uh, unless you've done something against the law. It's all cool. Tell me whatever it is, whether it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever is happening, you know, he said, and he created that space. And I was like, I just was so inspired and empowered by that. And so I started creating that with my kids. And for my oldest, it became sushi as he became older. We both had a love of sushi. So if he would say, hey, mom, you know, you want to go for sushi? Because as he got older, got college and working, it was hard to keep the same schedule. But he would Mm -hmm. just say, you want to go for sushi? And that, that was my trigger to know. He wanted to have a conversation about something, right? And then my younger one he loves loves excuse me he loves um the movie so if he would say you want to go for a movie or something or hey i'm swinging by like now he bought his own house so hey i'm going to swing by i have a hair appointment would you you know you want to do lunch at the house so then we know oh he wants to come have a conversation so if you're listening it's not too late to create that space to have that the the option for your kids to know i could tell my mom or dad anything and they're not going to hold judgment they're not going to try to fix it right away they're just going to be like let me talk and get it off my chest and then when you can say is and this is a this became a big thing in my older son's life as it became he struggled with some alcohol he struggled he got unfortunately he he hooked up with the cult and we knew it um he no longer was with them um you know he was able to realize that he grew out of that but uh, we knew it wasn't a good thing but as parents you know you can't say oh i see you doing this because then they're going to be like gravitate sometimes to that so one Mm -hmm. of the best advice i got from a friend who i do bible study with he's like just ask how can you support them in that and that became a great a great response the many things that my kids would tell me at that table. So if you're listening, have that, create that space for your kids, whether it's, whether your kids are only three years old or they're even in college, like have a conversation, 
if they're away at school, do a Skype, you know, ha- create a Skype time where you just get together and say, hey, just check on you, how things going. And when they tell you something, ask the question, how can I support you in that? Because especially when we're talking about bullying, they may not want you to go react to the bully. They may not want you to go there because they're concerned about how it's going to be responded to at school. But if you ask them how I can support you with that, they're going to tell you, this is what, what I need help with, right? And so I love to, that you shared that. And I hope that the parents are listening, the moms are listening, or even teachers carry this forward because I think it's an important conversation that we need to have with our young with our young um, adults and our young kids. So I, I'm glad we brought that up. So I want to do a little shift over now. I want to talk about your, your dreaming relentlessly. Like you, you know, you, you went on this roadmap, you know, overcoming people pleasing. You took that, that 10 year journey to really find yourself in self care. So tell us about that journey, Dorothy. Like what were some of the things that you did to, to, Get yourself regrounded with who you are and what you wanted. Um, so what yeah. were things you did? Well, it's funny. The one thing that broke my one of the one things that broke up the abusive relationship was I had made a formed a friendship with a lady that asked me to go to her church. And I thought, okay, you know, I'd never it's not thing we as growing up ever did, but I thought, okay, well, what's the harm in that? So I started uh, attending a different church sessions with her, which my then boyfriend didn't like. And that's what created a shift in, in the relationship and, and things like that. So I started attending Bible studies and I started, um, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, but it's funny because God started putting different women in my life to help me trans- through this transition, right? So in, in those tribes, like these ladies were like, okay, well, let's go to this event or that event. So I went from being introverted and, and being by myself all the time to being more outgoing and, and really tapping into what the church had or um, things like that. And there was this um, there was this thing, uh, program called Theophostic Prayer Ministry, which is basically taking going down deep in with your trigger. So if something triggered you, um, just basically putting the truth to the lie based thinking that is what you're thinking and asking God, you know, what he thinks of that situation is basically basically the gist of it. So I started doing that. I not only went for that that counseling with that, but then I decided, well, let's see if I can help others with that. So I took the took the course to be a facilitator as well. So I had that. And then I had the Bible study. And then all these, like I said, all these women just kept coming into my life and, and pouring into me. Um, and then of course I met, um, there's this, this woman named Danny Johnson, who is a personal development coach. And she's based out of the US. And I had a friend of mine say, you really need to come to one of her events. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to her event. What What's the worst that could happen? So I followed her across the United States and, and, and plugged into that, which was helping me, you know, definitely finding out who I was, what I wanted to be type thing like that and traveling across the world. So you know, I started doing that and then uh, just finding different people along the way that would lead me to the next thing and being open to what God really had for me in those moments uh, is definitely, uh, definitely a totally on on that track. And then I met this woman, uh, Joanne Yugi, who was uh, doing the on purpose course. And she's a, a lady from my town. And so she says, hey, why don't you come and, and join this this group with us? It's a seven week intensive course. And I'm like, okay. And she, she said, you know, you are the only one that I know of that has done so much personal development on themselves and, and wants to truly change. I've never seen somebody like if somebody points something out to me, I'm I'm right on it. 
it to try and change that, right? And so if just somebody just taking constructive criticism, I guess, from the people that have done something more in their life. And so I just kept on keeping on, I guess, and putting one foot in front of the other. So that's how that journey started. That's so cool. I, I love that, you know, one of the things when we do the retreats is we want to create those connections with other women. We call them our PJ sisters. And then it, uh, also they become part of our Shiro tribe and and our Shiro, we call it the Shiro League. But I love that, you know, you started with the faith, like faith came into that, like having that faith and that belief. And and, and to me, you know, I have a belief in God, but some people, you know, who, whoever you believe in, if you're listening to us, it's important to have that, that that's something that sort of helped ground you and helped you have that center of where you, where you want to start with and who are you? And and I think that's so, so powerful that we remember that because we forget that, you know, whoever you believe in, whatever you believe in, I truly, in my heart, believe that we've come into this world. We have this talent. And I say this, so you're, you're listening, going, oh, here she goes again. But I really believe this, that you come into this world, you have this talent and this gift. And when you don't center yourself and figure out what that is for yourself, you're cheating yourself. And then on top of that, you're cheating others. Like if Dorothy hadn't done that, she wouldn't be sitting here with me today, having this conversation and letting you hear too, how you you could do the same. And so I think it's important. And then also surrounding yourself with women in your life. I think that is so, so powerful that and those women that are going to be there for you to lift you up when you need to be lifted up, they're going to be there to tell you, Hey, that's not, that's not who you really are. Let's talk about that. Right. They're not going to beat you down, but they might call you out and keep you, hold you accountable for your actions, for, for your, maybe the people pleasing, those saboteurs that show up in our lives where we, we sabotage and we judge ourselves, you know, saying we're not worthy, you know, uh, you you can do better. You you shouldn't do that. You know those are the people that you want in your in your corner to say why not Dorothy? Why not Pearl go after that? Or they'll say, did you think about doing it this way? How about trying it that way? Or they'll call out to you and say, you know what? You're surrounding yourself with somebody that really is not serving you well. You know, and that I love that you call that your tribe and and having having that for you. That's when we did the Shira League. Uh, we meet every Sunday evening from eight to nine p.m. It's on Zoom. We don't record it at all, but it's be there too. We work on self-care we work on things, personal development we have somebody comes in and talks about finance we, you know all those powerful things that that we as women want to learn to be better at or to pour into others and teach as well and so then the shiro for those that are listening and haven't heard it before it means that you become you become stronger you become happier you become empowered you become radiant in your original self when you start stepping into that dream you have to who you really are and and not letting others tell you that's not who you are and so i love that you've your tribe and, and surrounding yourself with that um, because we, we need to do that. And it's, again, you know, I'm, I'm loving to see some of the things that are happening for our young women, young girls, even in elementary school. I love to watch TikToks and things like that, where the little girls are going, I'm beautiful. I'm powerful. Cause we didn't have that when we were kids. Our, our, our moms didn't know to teach us that our moms, you know, and their moms grew up where they took care of the house and, you know, they did the cooking and the husband did the working. And so we're not, not in that age anymore. So I feel like we're finally starting and reach that generation, we understand we need to teach mental fitness. We need to teach that overcoming our judging and our saboteurs. And we need to surround ourselves with people that are going to lift us up. And so I love, I love that, that you were able to do that. And so let's talk about your what you're doing with the veterans. I really want to make sure we touch on that, the veterans and homelessness. Um, as I said, my, you know, I've got four generations of Marines in my family. My husband's biological father died the day before he was born. He had served in the service as well. And and he went on. He did 
did he did his career with um, the government and he retired with the VA. I think almost I think he had almost twenty years of the V with twenty or twenty plus years of the VA and another ten with the Department of Defense, I believe it was. But that's really powerful for him. He um he was able to do some big findings and brought them to Congress. And I'm just so proud of that work that he did and, and the legacy he left behind for those that after retiring will carry on that work. And so tell us about that work and, and what brought you to bring awareness to this. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank them for their service for me. Um, and yeah, so on our show, it was January 31st of last year. I remember the date. Uh, we had a gentleman by the name of Greg Bicknell on our show who is retired Air Force. He was in the Air Force for, I believe, 28 years. And um, this he came on and he, and he started a, uh, an organization called uh, Camaraderie Rescue Mission. And he said it was founded because he had attempted suicide several times while he was in in active duty, and he never um, he he didn't feel that he could go anywhere to get help for that until finally he decided enough's enough, and he decided he was going to go and get help. Well, he was told to make an appointment, and so he went to his commanding officer and he said, "You know, this is bullshit. I finally got up enough nerve to ask for help, and then I was told to make an appointment." He goes, "Don't worry about it. I'll handle this one by myself." And his commanding officer said, "Oh, you know what is going to happen." And now he goes, don't worry about it. I got it. So that is what founded Camaraderie Rescue Mission. And back then in January of, two, of last year, it was 22 Veterans Day were dying by suicide. In September of last year, that went from 22 to 44. So I'm like, when I heard this, I'm like, why is this happening? Like, what, what is, what is the disconnect between what they're not getting and what they need? And so I started interviewing uh, veteran after veteran after veteran, and it was the same story. You know, the VA wasn't doing what they needed to do and, um, or, you know, or they, they just weren't reaching out because the stigma around it, because, you know, if you have a gun and you're trying to kill, uh, and then you go in and say, wait a minute, I'm having, like, I, I want to kill myself. They're going to take they're going away and take their livelihood away right so it depended on a lot of different factors and ultimately it was they felt that they couldn't reach out for help um and so i thought okay well let's bring awareness to this number one um talk to our men and women and in i was truly disgusted when i heard from several of, of my veterans saying that when they came back from war that they were treated like dirt they were basically um you know treated like second class citizens and they put their life on the line for our country. And I'm like, this is disgusting. You know, the veteran homelessness is absolutely disgusting. They go out, they put their life on the line and come back at and they don't even have homes anymore. I'm like, this is I'm like, something has to change. So within that, I decided that I would put my money where my mouth is. I became went on the board from Camaraderie Rescue Mission, um, you know, doing my best to, to bring awareness to the programs that we were doing at that time. And basically, it was all about camaraderie. And a lot of them just want to be heard, right? They just, uh, when you leave the Air Force or the military, they don't give you enough tools to transition out, right? Uh, you get a two-week course, on, you know, and that's it. And then you're left. And you're used to being with your guys, right? Because you're with their family and um, that's their tribe. And so when you come out, your your wife has no idea who you are anymore. The divorce rate amongst our veterans is 80% or higher. Um, you know, they, they come home 
expected to act normal. Well, the spouse doesn't know what to do because she's used to them being deployed or, you know, doing what, what they're doing. They're not used to being underfoot. They have no idea how to transition this. Half of them won't accept the help. Um, so I'm like, how can we change this? So that is, you know, I'm looking at the how to's. I've, de- I've definitely joined other groups where, you know, if you want camaraderie, that's what you need. I'll put you in this group. If you want uh, help with the VA, I, I now have access to Bright um, with another veteran. He started an app called Bright, uh, Bright App, which has access to the VA and all, everything that you'd ever want to know or not know. Uh, so, you know, we can plug you into that. If you, you know, just want somebody to hear, I'm here for you, or, you know, I can put you in other groups. And so that's basically how I help. Um, you know, you, I've always said, if I see a need, I fill it, right? It drives me nuts when, the, and this is, you know, just joking aside, you know, your your husband throws his clothes on the floor, the, the waste basket's right there. So, you know, why don't you just see it and do it, right? Uh, so I see the need, I seen the need, now I filled it. And so depending on what a veteran needs, um, you know, is, is where I go. And I just keep collecting, I guess, these different groups for veterans so that I can help in any way possible possible. And so, yeah, I have doctors at my disposal that, you know, can help them with their PTSD. Uh, so, and ultimately I want to end suicide, not just in the veteran space, but in civilian life as well. Um, as having an uncle that took his life, you know, I, I, I know what it's like. And so I just want to, and, and the more I'm digging in this to like, why would I take a veteran community? I started digging into my roots and to find out my great grandfather was, um, was in the Navy. He was Canadian, but he was stationed in San Francisco. So back in 1948. So, you know, I have that. My my grandfather had served as a cadet at one point and he was part of, he was president at the Legion in Kingsville, Ontario uh, for several years. My my dad and my brother served as a cadet. I had other, I had an uncle that served in the Canadian Armed Forces for, for years. Uh, you know, so it's just, it all, my, my, the legacy that my family has left me is one of service. Um, and so I was like, well, no wonder why, you know, I grew up in the Canadian Legion. Every Friday night, we'd go to the Legion with Grandpa. And uh, right. And and so I was like, well, no wonder why I'm involved in this, because I've always been around it. I just didn't knew what it meant when I was in my 20s. Now I know what it means. And so now I'm going to help these men and women get the help that they need. I think it's so powerful that, that people like you are out doing that for our veterans because it's, it's, you know, like I said, I saw my husband get so aggravated with like the, the way that our government took care of them. And you said you touched on some of them, like a two week course when they leave. It's like you've been in for anywhere from four years to 20 years. You're going to sum it up in two weeks. Hello. <laughs> you know, yeah. and not, not even having that transitional training for, like you said, for the families, because you're right. I, I remember my dad got out of the service. It was a whole adjustment for, you know, and back then when my dad was in the service, he did three tours in Vietnam, we didn't stay on base. We got kicked off a of base and went sent to upstate New York because they didn't have enough base housing for us. And my parents didn't own, couldn't own a home at that time. They, they didn't they couldn't afford it. So to have, you know, two weeks to help them leaving, that's just crazy. And and to have people like you and the organization step in and, and even the other ones that are that we don't even talk about today, to step in and be that, you know, help the veteran be heard, like you said, and then give them the tools for transitioning. It's so, so powerful and so needed. And, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the suicide rate is just, 
it's really sad, you know, and it goes to show we're not doing enough for our veterans. And it, I think it's across the across the world that we don't we don't do enough. We expect them to go go do these things, and and then and then we just say thank you very much, and here's your two weeks, and you know, see you later. You know, it's 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 definitely you know a, a need that you are doing, and I'm so glad there's people like you that are, are doing that that and, and trying to fill that void that we have. And and I hope those that are listening, we'll, we're going to share in a little bit in the show notes and everything how to connect with you and the organization as well to reach out. They want to help. Or, and if you don't, you know, if it's not there, just ask somewhere. How can I help? Because there's always a need to give in our community. And I believe that, you know, even like we go out to our retreats, we always try to find a restaurant that we can support locally so that we can give back for what we're receiving in their in their city. So I, I love that you're doing that. So it's so, so important. And I'm glad that somebody gave you that inspiration and said, let's go do more. I think it, it's amazing. So I'm so happy you're doing that. I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book. And um, let's talk about the overcomer facing challenges with faith and courage. Tell us about the book and a little bit of what inspired you to do that. Sure. Well, it, it's funny because I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and I said, you know, I've been through a lot. And she goes, yeah, you have. And this was this was before I even got married. So this was when just before COVID hit, I was having a conversation and I said, you know, I should write a book. And she says, yes, you should. So for five years, it's been in my head and all of a sudden COVID hit and God's like, well, now you got time. You don't have to drive that hour because now you're working at home. And I'm just like, oh Lord. I'm like, who the heck wants to listen about me? Like I'm some chick from Windsor, Ontario. No one even knows where Windsor is other than the fact you tell them it's across the street from Detroit. So I'm like, okay. So I sat down at my computer and I just started typing away and it just like basically told itself. And it's just basically my life's journey of how I overcame those things, like how I overcame bullying, how I overcame the relationships that I was in. I I, I was in a, my very first relationship, never forget it. Uh, the gentleman was Muslim, which my dad had a huge issue with. My dad was very prejudiced. And, um, you know, to the point where my mom says, well, if you don't stop, you're going to lose your daughter. And so my dad did stop. And uh, that, that relationship was something else. Um, we ended up being friends for a while uh, afterwards, but it was just not one that I could continue. Um, not when somebody shows up four hours late time you meet them. Like, who does that? Anyways, that's a whole other issue. So, you know, I, I shared that in there, shared, um, I had went on my very first mission trip at 40 and, uh, that was life-changing. So I shared a little bit about that and just really shared my struggles and, you know, how I came over that. But then, you know, with every crappy story, there is a rainbow, right? And my rainbow was finding my husband and, you know, thank God I did. And just sharing a little bit about our journey in there, um, and just sharing up to, yeah, yeah, I shared. I I think I at that time my dad had been diagnosed with cancer, and so that the, I don't think the whole story of his cancer journey is in there, um, because he was still alive back when that was uh was out, and so just you know, thank God that my that I did find uh, my husband Joe, and just really sharing that hey, if you just stick with it and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, uh, you know, you can get through anything, and just my whole premise for even writing the book was if I, I didn't want anybody to feel alone. I, I truly felt alone in a lot of the circumstances growing up. Uh, I didn't feel like I could reach out to anybody. I didn't have that inner circle back then. Right. And so, um, just no, and I wanted to be everybody's inner circle. That's, that's why, you know, don't give up hope and don't make something that is so 
in the moment, it's not trivial. Trust me, I get it. Like, because there's been moments I, I, where I have personally felt that life probably would have been a hell of a lot easier if I wasn't here, right? Or that, you know, whatever have you. And so there were moments where I thought, you know, eh, you know, what if, what if tomorrow never came, right? And, and so in having those moments, I think if everybody was honest with themselves, I think probably everybody at one point in their life have had that conversation with themselves, maybe not acted on it, but I thought, you know, life would be easier if I just ended it. Um, so, you know, just, just knowing that if I could go through this, anybody else could, but no, I want people to know that they're not alone. And that's why I wrote the book, uh, so that people could say, Hey, if she could do it, I can do it. And, uh, don't make a, a big decision, um, that, it can never be rechain, uh, reversible in in a moment of you know don't give a, don't give up basically is is the message and that's a beautiful message too and, and it's so so important for those that are listening if you feel like that at all to know to reach out to somebody because it's really really important to know it, it seems overwhelming and you're right I'm, I'll be honest with you I've had those thoughts before and you know it's 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 very overwhelming because you feel in that moment like there's nothing else when really there is you just it, and it sounds cliche so if you're listening to us you're probably going yeah you don't understand we do understand and getting help is so so important and to know you're not alone I mean the biggest thing is the fear the fear of okay if this really happens whether it's you know losing a job or like me I lost my son last year you know at 25 years old in July and and you know many people look at me often and say you're so strong sometimes I'm just strong on the outside because that's what I have to be but sometimes I'm very weak on the inside and overcome with grief and I know that tomorrow's going to come so how do I get through today and part of that is allowing my emotions to come allowing me to feel the emotions allowing myself to say, you know what, today's not a great day. I might need to change some things in my schedule because I need to be here for what I'm feeling. And it's okay to do that. And on top of that, reaching out for help, whether it's, you know, I think the hotline is like 211, whatever that is, or just calling somebody and saying, hey, do you have a minute to talk? Because I just need to talk to somebody. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, it's a big part of why we started the movement um, every July. And this is for every day of your life if you're listening to us. But when my son passed last year in July, about a week after he passed, he had two friends show up at our door looking for him. Hey, I'm trying to catch up with Matthew. Can't get a hold of him. It, and then we had to have the conversation and they were like, oh my gosh, I almost stopped by the day before he passed away. Right. So that, that those regrets. Right. And uh, so we'd sit down and have conversations. And then the weirdest thing, Dorothy, and I truly 100% believe it's divine intervention. His phone number is merged with my phone number somehow. So somehow or another, I get his messages and every once in a while I'll get a message comes across. Hey, what's up? You know, and I'm like, oh, they're trying to reach Matthew. And then that, that conversation. So we started a movement in July. We call it make the call for Matt. So call that person that you haven't checked on in a little while. Call the person who maybe, you know, you've been meaning to call. We keep forgetting. And don't just tap, like really pick up the phone, have a physical conversation, let them hear your voice and let them know. I'm just thinking about you. I just want to check in and say hi. You know, it doesn't mean you have to carve out a time in your day to go have lunch, but if you can invite them to lunch as well, but just check on that person because, you know, sometimes it can be heavier for others and not as easy as what we're saying is just to push through. And it's important to, to have your, have your voice be heard about what your concerns are and, and how you're feeling. And then also to have those tools as well to, you know, help you get through those feelings and know that you're not alone. And, you know, that's where you can have a therapist, you, have, you can have a coach, you know, they almost, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I am a coach and they kind of in some ways interside with one another because, you know, the, the therapist is going to help you see that, that the past and feel the past and, and the coach is going to help you see what's in the future that there's, yeah, it stops right now. You might be feeling like, I don't know that, you know, what tomorrow is going to bring. And the fear of not knowing what tomorrow brings will hold you back. It will keep you mm -hmm. from moving forward. And if you could just take, I think you even said it, take that first step. Just take that first
first step into the fear and say, all right, I'm going to allow myself to feel whatever the feelings are. It's, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to survive. Then yes. then that first step is going to lead you to success on the other side. And, and that the fear is really those false evidence appearing real that's making you in the thoughts in your head and sabotaging you. But if you can stage the thoughts and, and realize that those are just thoughts that are meant to try to break you down and think about the reverse of it and, and what the beautiful thing is can happen. And then you might be like Dorothy, where you write a book and pay it forward. You know, I coach at a nonprofit with women who are, you know, in between homelessness or overcoming addiction or just need a place to be with their children. And I tell each and every one of them, unfortunately, you are not the last person to sit in the seat where you are today. And you can make a difference to the person coming behind you if you can write a book about your life. Even if you're not going to publish it, but just write it, write that story and, and go back and read your story and see your successes. It's so, so, so powerful because everybody, everybody has a story and has a book in them and doesn't mean you have to publish them. It just means that, hey, I want you to know more about me because this is what my life was. And like and like you shared, Dorothy, um, I think, I definitely think as you shared that that book will help others overcome those obstacles and really know that we're not alone. You know, we're not alone on our struggles and our challenges that we that we over that we face in our life so i'm glad you wrote the book and i'm and we'll share where we can get that i want to know so let's talk about you went on this journey about finding yourself in self-care and overcoming people pleasing i want to know i'm going to ask you this question i haven't asked in a while but after you went through that process and you broke that down and you you started on that journey of finding your joy could you tell us what three things in your life bring you joy like and really and why do they bring you joy like not you know some people say oh the sun brings joy yeah that's great the sun brings you joy and gives you my vitamin d but why does the sun bring you joy you know so share with us what were some of those things you walked away from during that journey that bring you joy Sure. First of all, I just want to say one thing. In that healing journey, there is still times today that I still struggle with some of those things. So just because I took those 10 years doesn't mean that it could come up again, right? Because healing, I say, is like an onion. So you peel one layer off, you get the next one, right? So for the people that are listening, they think, oh, she's got it all together. No, I haven't. I haven't, but I'm I'm willing to dig deep to make sure that the next layer is revealed. So I, I just wanted um, to say I, that. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because that's so true. Because even today, I mean, even I, I think all of of us. We, you know, it's interesting you said that because I had somebody say to me one time, oh, I, I had clients like, okay, so why are you coming here? Like, what brought you to me? And they're like, well, this coach I was working with, they said they did everything exactly like they coached me, but I'm watching on social media or I'm seeing them here and that's, I'm like, I'm totally with you. I, I'm going to sit here and tell you I'm going to help coach you, but I, I still coach myself or I still have coaches because life is not perfect every single day. I mean, my gosh, in 2015, I found out, you know, I went through my identity destiny and went on the journey of figuring out who I wanted to be but 2000 you know last year 2022 i lost my son so there's things that come up from that so i'm glad you pointed that out for sure thank you for that Absolutely. So what brings me joy? My family is number one, because definitely, even though it can drive me crazy some days, uh, I, I truly do love them. And no matter no matter what, we're truly there for each other. Um, and that may seem cliche, but like I, I growing up, you know, people would uh, say something about my brother and I'd be like, right ha and have his back. I'm like, you can't say anything. I'm the only one that can do that. So um, definitely family is everything for me. And um, we, I I originally come from a big family, but unfortunately, now we're down to, in my immediate family, just the two of us, uh, no, three of us. So it's um, quite something. So the more you lose, the more you appreciate. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so joy, uh, family definitely brings me joy. My tribe, like I said, I, I have a couple different tribes. So 
And to me, um, the, it's a group of women that number one will not let me give up on myself. Um, you know, cause there are times where I'm like, you know, just forget about it. I, I quit. I'm not even me. Who's the overcomer. Just, uh, uh, we, I truly do have those moments where like, I'm done. I just can't do anything more about this today. But then they remind me of my dreams, my goals, and, um, definitely, um, don't, not letting me give up on myself. So my, my tribe of women that have, or my inner circle definitely brings me huge joy uh, for that connection and knowing that hey if I, I I pick the phone to one of them and like hey you, I I just need to say this to vent it doesn't mean nothing I just want you to listen to me uh, so having that tribe makes me happy and the third thing is my veterans because uh, they bring me so much joy because hearing their stories and hearing what they went through I'm thinking there is no way that I could give up like because if they didn't give up and they've been through a heck of a lot worse than I have, then how can I give up? And how, like, I'm not going to give up because then it, that means that I give up on them. So, and having them in my life um, has actually brought me to a whole new level because I'm like, no, wait a minute. Uh uh. If they can go through war, if they can see their brother or sister blown up beside them, I can get through this moment. So, definitely, um, that definitely brings me joy to know that, hey, I, I'm at least helping and serving in some small way. I love that. I love family. Yeah, family is a big thing for me too and um and really like i always say my my sons brought me joy but matthew my oldest one um who we pat lost last year he brought me joy because no matter what was happening he could still act silly and you know catch you off guard with a silly thing like hey mom and i'd be like hey what and he'll go these nuts you know like oh you got me again right he would always like find that way to like get you on silly things and then my oldest son my younger son nate he's just he's like this old doll that is so into like history and he questions everything like he called yesterday had like a two-hour conversation with my husband over I don't know what they're discussing I knew it's something about politics and they were having this great conversation and and it's fun to listen to him like have conversations like from both sides so like the Democrats this and the Republicans this like he's like he's like us we, we don't we haven't picked sides we just you know go by what we feel is best for our family and so it was interesting my husband came out and go that was a long time he goes yeah he was pretty insightful today I just listened to him you know so he's got this insightfulness with them and he's he loves history too it's that's what I love about him and then um and then you know your tribe like for me, my Shirley ladies, I mean, they, you know, I started the Shirley during COVID. I saw women become stressed out, trying to be teachers, trying to work, trying to run a business in the house and be like, like, where do I fall in all of this? And I just started the Shirley, just be like, let's do some self-care stuff. And and that's how that started. And for me last year, when I lost my son, like they totally stepped up. They like were in my house. They were doing things. I was like, oh, even if they weren't here, they were like doing things from afar. So it's really cool. And, and you're right. I mean, veterans for you, I think it's just, I, I'm glad they're are people like you doing because we need more of that for sure. So we talk about joy and and so I'm going to flip it around a little bit with you, Dorothy. So play along with me here. So we make these to-do lists about the things I have to do for my business, the things I do for my house, I have to go grocery shopping, all these to-do lists, but we don't typically create the not to-do list. Those things that are on our to-do list that we need to stop doing, that's keeping us from enjoying our joy, keeping us from being with our family, keeping us from being with our tribe, keeping us from volunteering with your veterans. If you could think of things on your not to-do list that you have to put on there. Like some women have said, stop the negative talk, right? Don't no more negative talk. What would you say? Give me three things that would be on your not to do list and why you would put them on that list. Oh my gosh. That's a good one. Definitely the inner self-talk. That is totally, you know, not listening to that. So yeah, don't listen to the devil or the, the deep blue seed that's in your head. Don't. And that is a daily thing, daily reminder. Um, don't 
Oh, yeah. Do you not take people's, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a word to put this diplomatically. So people, other people's opinions don't matter, right? And, and so they don't pay your bills anyways. So uh, don't let them rent space in your head. Totally. That would be number two. And um, don't give up on yourself. Like don't, um, yeah, just keep going. I love that. Yeah. I think I got that right. You got it. No, you did perfect. Like the negative talk. Yeah. I mean, I always tell everybody if that negative thought comes in your head, flip it. What's the positive? What's the opposite of it? Tell me the positive piece of it. Right. And then OPP, other people's opinions. Yep. Yep. I don't need, I don't need to know. I I will respect your opinion and I might sometimes agree with you, but for the most part, this is my jam. This is what I love to do. Right. And so that's the, so I love both of those. Those are great examples. So I'm glad you played along with me. I appreciate that. I love doing that. I never, people often ask, can you still make questions for the show? I'm like, no, we're just going to have a conversation. And depending on what I might ask you, I don't want you to be prepared for it because I want you to be, you know, really be off guard and really be um, authentic with your answers. So thanks for playing along with that. So um, I know we're getting near the end of our hour here. So tell everybody, uh, Dorothy, how they can reach you and where they can reach out to you at. Sure, definitely. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn at Dorothy uh, Graham O'Dell or uh, my website, which is unstoppableovercomers.com. So can meet me anywhere of those locations or you can even email me at grahamdorothy408 at gmail.com. Awesome. And we'll make sure those are all the show notes. If you're listening or you're driving, you'll be able to read the show notes and catch them there as well. Okay, so I already prepared Dorothy ahead of time. I told her we're going to do our cards. So for those that are listening for the first time, we have my friend Carol Gill and her friend Diane Allen created these cards. They're called Better Questions, Better Life. I don't get kickback. If you want to go buy them, go go to betterquestionsbetterlife.com. They are over 70 questions to ask yourself. You might meditate over them. You just might journal over it. You might just have a conversation with a friend over the card, but I'm going to shuffle the cards. Dorothy's going to tell you when to stop and we're going to ask her what she comes up with. So here we go, Dorothy. Stop. Okay. So her, your question is, how can I connect with nature today? Go for a walk. Yeah. Where was your, where was your favorite place to go for a walk at? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> lately anywhere, but definitely down by the Detroit Windsor uh, River uh, where I live. There is a beautiful riverfront and that is my happy place. Definitely love walking there. And so that, actually that was an easy question for me because normally on my lunch hour, I am walking the entire lunch hour. Uh, awesome. if my videos that I do, God, somebody has a message. I, I come up with something that I think somebody can hear or listen to. Uh, I'm always walking. So people know me by like wa- the walking talking lady here so that's funny that i got that question <laughs> that's so cool that's so cool for me i i love sitting on my front porch i just love to sit outside of my front porch I, and i i tell the like i'm right across the street from a school so i tell the moms hey don't sit in your car come swing on the porch on this front porch swing you know bring a book or whatever i don't have to be home you don't have to say hi to me just and many times i come home my husband be like hey somebody's on the front porch like just let him be let him have that time you know but i love i love to do things like that as well so thank you so much for playing along with me so you've done a lot of gaming with me today I really love that. I think it's so cool. So I just want to tell everybody, um, make sure we'll put everything, like I said, in the show notes, make sure that you can grab them from Dorothy and um, grab her book as well. We'll put all that in there for you. And I just want to remind everybody that we just came off of our retreat we just held in um, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Our next retreat is next year in September 12th through the 16th. If you want to join us, we are filling up fast already. The word is spreading about our retreat. So you can go to wslivingretreats.com. That's wslivingretreats.com. 
You can grab your spot today. We have pay in full all the way to 12 month payment plans. So we're very flexible to help you. We want you there. We want you to be part of our, our theme next year is glowing up, becoming your radiant self. And so we want you to be there and join us as well. And as we leave today, I want to remind each and every one of you, as I say every time, you come into this world, you're a rough oyster on the outside. It, there's a lot to do to really find your inner self. And as you do, you truly become your inner pearl of greatness. And so I hope you go out today and I hope you do something to fill your cup, put your cape on and find your inner pearl of greatness. Have an amazing day. Thanks, Dorothy. Thank you. Hi, my name is Pearl Sharenza and I'm with Women Successful Living. And I want to tell you a little story. You see, once upon a time in the middle of COVID, I noticed that more and more women were overwhelmed. We were having to balance households. We're having to become teachers. We're having to work our job while we're trying to become a teacher. We were sitting in our home with our children and our spouses or our loved ones and feeling overwhelmed. We were lost for where we're going to find space in our own house. So I was feeling that this overwhelm was stressing women out more, that they felt like they could not have a Calgon take me away moment. They felt like everywhere they turn, somebody in the house would find them or their job wanted them on another Zoom meeting. And I just felt so sorry for these women as I spoke with them and felt the pain because I too was feeling sorry. I was feeling sorry that I couldn't go out and do the things I love to do. I could go out, yes, and take a walk and sit on my front swing, but I couldn't go to the community meetings and the fundraiser functions or go have lunch with a friend or go to the movies with my husband or just take a, a moment away from everything that we're responsible for as moms and wives in our homes, right? You become that CEO mom and you're running a household. But then if you're working outside of the household, not only are you a CEO mom, and if you're asking what a CEO mom is, that's a mom who is running the household. Because let me tell you, you're not sitting around eating bonbons every day. You truly are running a business of a home. But then maybe you also work outside of the home. And here you are, you're trying to balance working in the home, working outside the home. And then maybe you have children and you're having to learn how to become a teacher because bless our teachers, they are trying to learn a whole new way of teaching through Zoom. And so as I spoke to the women in my community and my clients, I found they were also feeling all this overwhelm. They were becoming stressed. They were sitting in, in the home with all their children and their spouse and they're going, I'm with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love you, but I don't love you that much. Were you feeling that way too? So I found as they were feeling this way that I had to do something. And every day, about a month after into the pandemic, I decided to try something new. I decided to create a space where we could meet via Zoom. And yes, I know another Zoom meeting, really Pearl, but I just knew that was the only way that we could get together. And the rule was you had to go in a room where you could put a note in the door and say, I'm on a break. I'm on a timeout. Whatever you want to call it, you can make that note on your door. Because really, we have to take time for ourselves in order to really take time and care for our family, our loved ones, and our job the way we know we want to and we need to. So what I did is I created what we called our self-care Sunday evening. And it actually became Shiro's is what we ended up naming it. Because we as women, we are the hero of the house. We're the hero of everything we do for our family, our friends, our job, our, whatever that is that you're responsible for, right? But are you really the hero for yourself? So that became important to me. So one day I decided I want to pour into these women. So I brought them together on a Zoom meeting. We met Sunday evening, 8 p.m. We finished up by 9 p.m. We just had conversations 
What was challenging them? What was the pandemic bringing up for them? How were they doing mentally? Were, were they doing something to take care of themselves? And if you heard me before, I say bathtubs and taking baths are not self-care, but really during the pandemic, sometimes that's all you could do was get in a tub with bubbles and take a few minutes for yourself, right? So as we poured into them, I, I noticed that they were starting to enjoy the self-care. They were starting to be less stressed. They were starting to communicate better with their family and their, and their loved ones because they could communicate why they were taking time for themselves. They were able to communicate that it's not that I don't love being with you. It's that because I love you so much, I need time for myself. So on Sunday evenings, we worked on things about self-care challenges. We created a challenge of self-care where every day they had to do something. It could be something that took them one minute, or if they wanted to, it could be something that took them an hour, but it was their job to do something for themselves every single day. And then because of that, they they saw that their family, they were worried that their family might feel make them feel guilty. So we started incorporating ways that they could do self-care for ourselves as we also did something with our family, right? So in some cases, we found that we were sitting, we had moms sitting and just watching TV, silly cartoons with their children, that's self-care, right? Or maybe playing a puzzle game or putting a puzzle together. And then when it came to their spouses, we found that they were sitting and finding movies on Netflix or writing, playing cards, or even we gave them a challenge. We have a friend that has these great cards they are called Better Questions, Better Life. We even would pull a card and have a discussion with our loved one around that card. And then as they were working from home, some of the, our, our professional women were finding that their jobs were having much more demand on them, but because they were home, they could actually kind of have more time they could grab for them. Oh, well, you're home all day long, so you really don't need to take a break. So they started finding that some of their jobs and their bosses were expecting them to give more. So we talked about how to set boundaries around our schedules. We talked about how to set boundaries around how much we want to be on Zoom. And as we did that, we found that the women were less stressed and they were actually performing their job performance better. They were having better and more improved relationships with their loved one, with their children. And some of them also had family that were in nursing homes. So we were creative on how to spend that time with their loved ones, but also making sure that they were taking care of themselves. So as we did this, I saw that it was a need that needed to continue. So even though the pandemic, is, as we know it today, is over, I found that the women loved this so much, we needed to continue this. And who knew that three years ago when I started this, that it would grow into what we have today, this amazing community of women that we still meet every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. We talk about things that bring us joy. We talk about challenges we're having in our lives. We're talking about things we're having to overcome. We have some women that are struggling in their marriages. We're talking about how we pour into them and how to help them work through communication. We have amazing, amazing guest speakers that come in every month. We've had Jane Pilker come in and talk up to us about our mind and the neurological part of our mind when it comes to our eating and our health and sugar and how it affects our body. We've had Seth and Tora come in and talk to us about the smile method and how we have things such as just the smile within us that can make things like mock acceptance where we're accepting things because we think we have to accept them. Like for instance, my loss of my son, Matthew, 
I never knew that when I created this group three years ago, almost now, how much I needed these women. And because I have this community of women around me, I met Seth and Seth taught me about mock acceptance. And he taught me that, yes, I was accepting the loss of my son, but I wasn't truly believing that he was lost. And I was sort of like going through the motions. So ever since I have put this group together, this community of women, we have watched the women flourish. We have watched them have less stress. We've watched them communicate better with their loved ones. We've watched them put boundaries around their self-care so that they can achieve the things they want to, so that they can put their cape on first as they pour into their family even better. And ever since we've started this self-care Shiro group, it has grown where we now at our retreats, we have women joining us during our retreats. We meet Every year we have a retreat in September. It's a pajama retreat. You come in your PJs, no makeup. You have about four days at the beach, sometimes the mountains, depending on the year. We just have sessions and breakout groups on how do we improve on our self-care? How do we continue to communicate our needs to our loved ones? How do we find what our goals are and our visions are? And how do we bring those to fruition? Because how many of you ever sat back and said, I have this big goal and I really want to do it, but nobody believes I can do it. I want you to know that we believe in you. We know that you can do it. And so if this is something that you want to learn more about and come and enjoy a great way to end your week and begin your week, I would love for you to join us because on top of our speakers, we also have an amazing meditation coach where she empowers us to sit down and just take some quiet time for ourselves and just be in our own space as we reflect on what we truly want within. And I am so honored to watch the progress and the growth that the women in this community have accomplished. And I cannot wait to see what's coming up for all of them and hopefully for you. And if this is something you would love to learn more about, I would love to invite you to come and visit us one Sunday evening. Like I said, it's a great way to end your week and a great way to start your week. What better to know that you've got a balcony of people sitting and waiting for you to join them, have a cup of tea maybe, and just do some laughing, maybe a little crying, but no matter what, know that you've got a girlfriend there to have your back. So if you're ready to check out the Shira League, I would love for you to join us. All you have to do is email me at pearl at wsliving.com. That's pearl at wsliving.com. And I would love to connect you. I hope today you know that we've all come into this world. We're a little oyster. We might be a little rough on the outside, but on the inside, you have a pearl. And I hope you find your pearl to greatness today as you become the Shiro I know you are. My name is Pearl Sorenza. Do you know what your score is for your self-care? Find out today. Go to pearlssurvey.com. That's pearlssurvey.com and see what your score is today. 